those kind of experiences make you really appreciate life a bit more. And you lose a lot of fear because the worst has already happened. So you just think, well, (laughs) I'll just fling myself into it. And you do. But it did take me a bit longer to grow into it because I deliberately made that choice with my kids as they were growing, as opposed to this has already happened to me when I was a teenager. So it took me till my early 20s to kind of get to Africa and do Mm. those things. Hello and welcome to Head Right Out, the podcast aims to encourage you to head right out of your comfort zone in the outdoors to build your resilience and keep your head right and healthy. My name is Zoe Langley-Wathen and across the now 17 episodes, I have had conversations with resilient women, resilient midlife women who have found themselves or refound themselves in the outdoors, despite their fears despite discomfort, despite the preference to avoid all of the above. If you're new to Head Right Out, please go back and take a listen to the other episodes. I'm sure there is something there for everybody. We've had such a variety of women doing different things. We've had long distance walkers, mountain climbers, marathon runners. We've had ocean swimmers, wild campers, hill walkers, We've had expedition leaders. I'm sure I've missed somebody out. Oh, there's cyclists. There's an elliptogoer. That's cool. We've had paddleboarders and fellow podcasters. And the common ground that we all have, they all identify as female. They are all over 40 years old. I think the eldest was 73 so far. And they have all benefited from the power of of adventure. And some of us have reached perimenopause, me included, and others have already transitioned through menopause and can reassure us with the story that they survived. Thank goodness. Now, before today's conversation, I would like to offer huge thank yous to everybody who responded to my online requests and my podcast requests as well for voting, particularly this last week in the Listener's Choice Award for Podcasting for Business 2022. Voting is now closed for that, but I've heard that Head Right Out is a finalist in those awards in the best health and wellbeing category. It's so exciting. I I just can't begin to tell you what this means to me. And the fact that it's been four months since I launched the podcast to be shortlisted and a finalist in two sets of awards just feels so good. It just lets me know, I guess, that that I'm doing something right, that the hard work is paying off. Even if it goes no further, that's fine. Being shortlisted and being a finalist is a big thing for me. So there's an online ceremony on the 3rd of March. So I will hear how Head Right Out has fared then and will obviously keep you all posted. Now, in the meantime, if you haven't yet voted in the other big awards, that's the Sports Podcast Awards, please click on the link in the show notes before the end of February and vote for Head Right Out in the Best Urban and Adventure category. Thank you so much. Okay, 
Today's guest, Sue Plasto, shares a feast of lifelong positive family choices and how sharing food and adventure in a bid to heal her grief has become an even stronger focus. This is such a lovely episode. Let's head on in there now. Okay, well, I have had a chance meeting with a wonderful woman uh, from Instagram, of all places, and we had a, a few conversations backwards and forwards, and it's resulted in me inviting her to come on to Head Right Out. Sue Plasto, across 30 years, has backpacked across East Africa for nine months during her 20s. And she did such things as learning to scuba dive. She went on safari. She took a dow boat from Mombasa to Zanzibar. And I thought it was fascinating where she said she actually slept on deck, secured only by tying herself on with her <laughs> sarong. <laughs> now, this trip actually put travel firmly into her blood and into her life. And she knew she wanted to make it a bigger part of her life by that point. Now, luckily for her, she met somebody who felt the same, so they got married and they had four wonderful children together and for a while attempted normal life, whatever normal is. <laughs> <laughs> and we will dip into that in a moment. After a while, they both realized that they could be potentially looking at the same school run for over 15 years. And they became brave and her adventurous husband suggested we could always sell the house and go traveling. So they did. Now they sold their cottage in Somerset and they flew to Canada. They bought a camper van. They drove across the country and down the west coast of the States for six months. And they had encounters with all sorts of wildlife. Uh, bears, I believe, elk, moose, raccoon, yeah. <laughs> all the usual suspects of the North American wildlife. And their children loved being homeschooled. So we are going to have a chat with Sue and find out more about her adventurous life and where it's led her to now. Sue, welcome to Head Right Out. Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. <laughs> Hi Zoe, thanks so much for having me. It's so oh, exciting. It is, isn't it? I mean, this has <laughs> all stemmed from a couple of conversations that we had backwards and forwards on Instagram and, and you kind of told me one or two things and yeah, and I was thinking, oh, this would be a great Head Right Out moment. And, and then as we got chatting, I just thought, do you know what? No, this woman needs to come and have a full-blown conversation <laughs> does, with you, me. When you read it out like that, it does sound quite amazing. I mean, we've had quite a lot of boring moments in between too, but um, oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah, uh... <laughs> as we all do. But yeah. you know, this is only half the story. I mean, that was a very cut down bio from what you sent me. And I was delighted that you'd sent me what you did. But I thought, do you know what? I don't want to share it all at once because I, I think we need to just kind of unwrap, unwrap your life, unwrap the story story yeah so you, it sounds like you have led a very adventurous life so far what fears or, or reservations did you have in the beginning about adventuring with your family because I know for a lot of women that is quite a big thing you know they'd love to get yeah. out there and men actually as well you know that lose that capacity to adventure or they feel like they've lost that capacity to adventure because they've got a family so yeah what fears or reservations did you have at that point I guess the same as any parent does. You just want to do the best by your children. We had our kids quite close together, four in five years. So we kind of felt 
that there was a big advantage to that in that we had a little tribe. So nobody was going to be lonely. And that was my biggest worry. I think lots of um, lots of my friends and family who sometimes were not that supportive of this idea <laughs> thought, oh, you can't take your kids out of school. How would they manage with academics? We weren't worried about that at all, just because we had quite different experiences ourselves in the education system. So my husband was like, we will just teach them through real life and see what happens. And it's all turned out well. So yeah, they loved it. We did it for at least 12 years, I guess now. I mean, my eldest is now 20, nearly 21. Mm. Yeah. So my fears really were just making sure they had enough social action going on around them. But when there's four kids like that, then you don't really need to worry about that. And actually, even if there's less than four and you've only got two or one, they're just with you all the time. So they don't really care. They're just happy to be with you and having a great time. That is incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, what an experience that was for both you and for them. It was really bonding. And I think we talk about it quite a lot now still. The youngest two who are 15 and 16 are now in college because we're We'll come to this later, I guess, but we're back in England now. And they have said that they feel that their whole life leading up to this point has given them such an insight into different cultures, a really a big amount of empathy with other people, a different Mm -hmm. way of seeing the world because they've not seen it in a linear way like you can often be sucked into in a conventional education system. Mm -hmm. So they're, yeah, they, they see things in a different way and it's given them time to be and discover who they really are without any external influences. I mean, that's the key thing. They had a lot of time just to be, and that Mm. really grounded them, I think, and uh, created quite a lot of magic in their lives. And that being in their moments of of being, was that inside, outside? Were they able to roam wherever you were? Yeah. 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 I mean, we're, um, yeah, we're all about being barefoot and feral and they could roam Anywhere. I mean, going across Canada and all the different countries we lived in after that, especially on our truffle farm in Italy, they were outside all the time, all the time. And we lived in the mountains. So they were skiing and snowboarding in the winter, quite near the Med as well. So we were, you know, sailing and out in the water all the time. And then indoors, I kind of believed that as long as they, as long as they were prolific readers, their comprehension skills would expand to fill the spaces for other subjects on top of what we'd already been doing so that's what they did played games read yeah they were just little wildlings well, <laughs> it was great. what an <laughs> idyllic childhood and and what a powerful belief on your part that's very significant it's going to have a huge impact on them I mean how do you feel it's benefited them now so you you can see in hindsight at least with your I don't know if it's son or daughter that's 20, 21. She's my daughter. So I've got three girls, 20, 18, 16, and my son is 15. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, So actually they are all, they're all young people. They're not really, even the 15-year-old is not children. No, No, that's right. So can you see how that's benefited them now? Is that really tangible? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, my eldest two, well, one went to Mount View Drama School. Uh, So she was really in touch with her emotions and really able to express herself without fear. One works with horses. So that's kind of gone out into the outdoors still. She's very gung-ho and fearless. Uh, Number three is very academic, but was also in Team GB snowboard development, which would not have happened without us living the life that we lived when we could go snowboarding at will and in our front garden, which I 
appreciate is very lucky. Wow. Uh, and my son's 15 and is into all sorts. So yeah, and they're just very uh, sure of who they are and strong in their convictions. And they're, yeah, I think I mentioned before, they're very empathetic young people, which is, you know, all you can ask for really, yeah, isn't it? Totally, so, totally. Yeah. That's definitely as a parent, what you wish yeah. for for your children. So yeah, they've built confidence, they've built resilience. Yeah. Uh, they know who they are. How does this differ from you when you were growing up? Do you feel like you've always been a resilient person, an adventurous person, or did you have to kind of grow into that? I feel, well, I had a lot of resilience. I lost my parents myself when I was a teenager, so I was pretty resilient. Hmm. But I didn't become adventurous until I was a bit older. Okay. Uh, and I think those kind of experiences make you really appreciate life a bit more. And you and you lose a lot of fear because the worst has already happened. So you just think, well, <laughs> I'll just fling myself into it. And you do. So yeah, but it did take me a bit longer to grow into it because I deliberately made that choice with my kids as they were growing, as opposed to this has already happened to me when I was a teenager. So it took me till my early 20s to kind of get to Africa and do mm. those things. Wow. Yeah. So just talk me through then you've what order you did this in? So you, did you go to Africa first? Yeah. So I um, grew up in Gloucestershire, went and lived in London for a bit after I left school, then went to Africa for nine or 10 months or something, backpacking around East Africa, changed my whole life. Came back, thought, right, I need to be able to figure out a way of doing this. So I went and got my degree and then I ended up working in domestic violence prevention, went to Russia to do a lot of media campaigns around that, and then thought, I just have to keep this traveling. So I worked part-time and traveled part-time. And that's what I did whilst I was at university. And then, then I met my husband at university, who luckily <laughs> had the same kind of outlook on life as I did. Yeah. And there off we went. We kind of um, started normal life bought a house, had the baby, our first baby and uh, had the rest of them quite soon. And then um, when my son was one, sold the house, went to Canada, bought the camper van, drove across the whole how, country. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. There. That's okay. How, how long were you in the camper van? Six or seven months. Wow. With a one-year-old. With four kids and a oh. five and a Labrador. Oh, all so, of them. Oh, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> That was that must have been an RV. No, I mean I'm well, thinking camper It was, van, it was like... a big, yeah, like not really big, 23 foot. Okay. I, you so, know. So not quite Winnebago, but still no. big, 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 big. But you know what? We we were so cozy in there because the kids were only, you know, under six, I think, at that point, all of them. So we had like three double beds, a shower with a tiny bathtub that you could get two children in, which was lovely, and an oven. I mean what more do you need? Yeah, exactly. It. It's simple. Yeah. You'd learn to yeah. pare down to the basics, don't you? And I know that through living on the boat. It's yeah. you pare down to basics, you survive with what you need. And and actually it's it's really liberating and refreshing. Very liberating. Mm. Yeah. Really oh. liberating. And it changes your whole outlook for the rest of your life, actually, I think. I think so. No, I agree. Yeah. It's in a very positive way. Yeah. So what happened then in terms of cold because I mean Canada I'm just thinking Canada will you get snow like well it gets snow, very 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 cold doesn't it quite <laughs> yes. quickly and we were a bit like oh <laughs> you know maybe we should think about doing something else for the winter and luckily my <laughs> husband uh, had a job that uh, he could yeah could kind of do anywhere so uh, a job offer came in for Dubai 
So off we went and flew to Dubai with the kids and lived there for 18 months and did like desert drumming on uh, these gorgeous camps with the kids and sandboarding and tell me about desert drumming what's that was amazing that was a new year's eve there was a big beautiful kind of bedouin style camp set up in the desert and we all went out in our four by fours and there were like 200 little djembe drums and we sat around this big fire all of us with this woman. She was amazing. She was leading this drumming session and you were supposed to be drumming out the old year and, you know, getting out your negativity. Mm. And, all. and it, it was so powerful, so powerful. My children still remember that. Um, and then we, um, yeah, we slept in the tents overnight. And the next morning, I mean, somebody said, make sure you take a sleeping bag because it does get very cold in the desert and never been in a desert. I thought, oh, God, it can't be that bad. <laughs> oh, it was. So, <laughs> so we were all up really, really early as soon as, as soon as the sun came up. Yeah, had breakfast around this big campfire, sandboarded down the dunes for the day. De- it was just magical. Oh, that sounds yeah. wicked. So yeah. Sandboarding is just like snowboarding, I'm assuming. And- I don't snowboard or sandboard. So I okay. say we, I mean the children. So <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, you were chief photographer, time. weren't you? I you were... was. That was my role. Yeah. Cheering on. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. What memories. That is incredible. And I can imagine that, as you say, they're talking about it now, but they'll be talking about it with their children and their grandchildren. You yeah. Know, I hope so. Come. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. So talk us through then the personal circumstances that have changed your current home location so you you you've gone around the world in various different places have i have i skipped across anything from dubai yeah Did you, oh i yeah. have haven't so i yes from Let's dubai rewind. yeah uh, we had the gfc the global financial crisis and we had to leave but that was okay hmm. we came home for a bit and then things settled down we carried on traveling so for the next 10 years i guess we lived in different places like Australia, Malaysia, south of France, Switzerland. And in that, when we lived in Dubai, we had bought this house in Italy. So we lived there often when we weren't anywhere else, if that makes any sense. Mm, And then we were happily last year and the year before living in Switzerland and commuting between there and our house in Italy. And then in January last year, my husband died. Sorry. Very suddenly and out, out of the blue. And we, our whole life just caved in, as you, I'm sure, can imagine. So life falls apart. We had to think really quickly because it was the beginning of a lockdown. The travel corridors were shutting. I didn't want to stay in Italy because we live in the mountains in quite a remote place. And my eldest daughter was in London then at um, theatre school. So we had to come home and find somewhere to live and rebuild. And this is where I am at the moment. So it's a year, not even a year, year next, you know, in the first week of January. And we're, yeah, we're digging deep. We're, yeah, we're digging deep into the amazing bank of memories that my husband gave us. And we are rebuilding and, you know. That's tough. Yeah. That is, I can see, I can empathise with that up to a point. That I haven't been in the position where I've lost a partner like that. I can imagine, you know, it's all very, very new and you've got two choices. I would think you can either follow the grief pattern that takes you into, into despair 
and not knowing what to do with your life. Or and you... that's that's okay to do that yeah. if you don't yes. haven't got the strength to do anything else, yes. you know. But luckily, I, I don't know where I found it from, but I did have some. So yeah, I just want to make sure people don't feel they have to just crack on. No, um, and there's because there is no right way, is there? Everybody, no, there isn't any right way. Everybody's needs are totally different. I am I'm so sorry. I have to just say this now. I am so sorry that you've gone through this. And yeah, I pass on my sincere condolences to you thank you, you. From, yeah Thanks. from I mean it's just it's not a year and your the anniversary is obviously coming up so how have you dealt with this how has it been for you and what have you found the need to do in order to get yourself and your family through this period Sue? well luckily we found a little house I spent the first few months trying to create a little home for the kids and getting them sorted in there they're now at college doing GCSEs and whatnot so I mean that's a different path that we would have taken but it's Mm. the right one for now for them so that's okay and I have had to really think about what I want to do with my future I have to make some money it's obviously (laughs) we all do don't we Mm. but yeah I just really feel that I need to make the best of the time that I have got left and honour my husband's life story by carrying on our amazing adventures. Even if it's on my own for the time being, while the children are busy for just for a few days at a time, you know. So I kind of, and this is where I am at the moment, I've reached right back into my life and thought, and I think this is a really good idea for people to do. Don't feel that you if something like this happens to you, don't feel you don't have any skills because you've been a stay-at-home mum. I mean, we're in midlife now, aren't we? You know, some of us, if that's all I've done, well, I've done other things, but mostly that's what I've done. Don't feel that you don't have the skills to take you forward because some of those skills that you've learned from being a mum or being an expat wife or whatever you're doing are really, really valuable. So I've reached back I've thought, what have I got in my arsenal that I can take with me? I'm pretty good at chatting to people and I'm quite good at cooking. So I thought, right, I'm going to trade up my skills into adventure and income. So I've signed up to crew and cook on a tall ship for next summer. So the kids can be at home on their own for a week or so. That's okay. We've got lots of family to support them, but I can still go out and live the life that we have enjoyed living so much. So that's one thing. I set up a language school because I did a lot of teaching English uh, when I was in different countries in a kind of informal way. So I formalised that last year um, or the year before by doing my TEFL when Stephen was still alive. And I've been teaching with my great four, teaching migrant people English through food and cookery. So I'm doing the same thing with that. And hoping that I can take that into the outdoors and just keep this resilience going and this momentum going forward. So I'm talking to the Morocco Library Project in the hope that eventually my language school and my cooking skills will coincide and we can take some books down to them and teach English through some workshops and cookery in the future. So that's another thing. And in the meantime, you just have to put your head down and be grateful for what you've had reach back, reach out for help, create a new community and reach up. That's kind of what I'm doing. So, wow. but it's not always as easy as I'm making that sound. And I'm sure people kind of get that. So, Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you've, you've <laughs> defined, you've, it's almost like you've defined what it is you need 
and you're striving for that. But like you say, sometimes things just spiral, don't they? Sometimes you get down days. Sometimes you're going to get days where you just think, why the hell am I doing this? I just can't cope with this. And I think, I don't know, having support around you, do you feel like you have support? Yeah, I do have a lot of support. And I've also reached out to the... um, and this we could not we could not have done this when we were younger, could we? You know, the um, online community mm. and created this whole. And that's why I'm here with you now, Zoe, to talk about what has happened, to talk about and connect with other women who are in mid. Because it doesn't you don't necessarily have to have been widowed. You could have been divorced. You could just feel stuck. All of these things are applicable mm. to people at our age. I mean, you're younger than me, but, you know, this kind of this stage in our lives where you think, you know, your kids might be leaving. Any any reason at all, really, mm. you know. I must admit, there's a part of me that's thinking, yes, actually, I did experience something similar. And it's still, I'm still sure it is different. But I had a long-term relationship that ended, oh gosh, I don't know, eight years ago, maybe now. And and that ended with a, a real sudden, I mean, it was Did completely, it? yeah, completely unexpected. And it was right before Christmas. And I can remember just walking around in this days. I was, I was not myself and I was grieving. I was definitely mm. grieving. Yeah. I yeah. had, I lost uh, about a stone in weight. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating properly. And you know, I'm, as I say, I can only assume that these are some of the emotions and some of the physical things that maybe you go through when you are grieving the death of a partner. And, and it felt, it did feel like to me at that point, like I had lost somebody who had died. And I remember saying that to somebody, you know, that I was talking to kind of like a close friend, but yeah, yeah. It, it's, it was a hard, but grief, a hard grief is mourning the end of something, isn't it? Mm, yeah. You know, that's the end. That's a closed book. Now you can't go back to that. So there's a mourning process and a grieving process around loss of relationships, loss of yourself. It does kind of cross over mm. and it's, re- yeah, I mean, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough. So well done for pulling up, carrying yeah. on. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it was. And, and we we do. We learn a lot from it in hindsight. And at the time when you're in it, I was just in a wilderness. That was all. Yeah. It was just like I was wandering through a wilderness and not really knowing when I was going to come to the other side. Yeah. But I did come to the other side, um, as we all do. And, and I think it's just that knowledge that in hindsight, that it's a temporary place that we're in it's something it's a it's a place we have to go through in order to come out the other side and then think okay what can I gain from this what have I learned what do I know about myself now because we learn all sorts of new things about ourselves having gone through that kind of experience that we've never had before it's transformative isn't Mm. it it can it can be completely transformative and it's a pivotal moment you know, once you've come through that initial lurching horror, which can last for months, you know, I'm, I'm very wary that I, I don't want to be prescriptive in how I'm talking mm. about grief. This is just my experience. So I still get those lurches of horror frequently, but they, I mean, I've got four kids, so I have to crack on. But yeah, they are pivotal moments and you think, okay, I can, I can go either way with this. And I think to just be able to distill, like you say, everything that you've learned and come through these experiences with this new knowledge of yourself and the world, try and distill it and take it forward into something is really, it's a gift. And that Mm. sounds terrible and a cliche, but it, it kind of is. It gets rid of all the BS, 
you just focus, don't you, on yeah. what you really want and what is really important. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, that that's the key to just kind of being happy in life. Sorry, mm-hmm. that's a bit no, waffly. And very it's deep. not <laughs> waffly, absolutely not waffly at all. And it just, it makes so much sense. What you're saying makes so much sense because, yes, you are in that period of overwhelm where there's all this stuff going on. Yes, it's just about distilling down and finding that concentrated focus that you can just pull on, draw on and hopefully take through into the next chapter. It's hard. It's really hard. And for anybody that is going through this, either currently or perhaps they're coming up to anniversaries and finding it difficult. You know, I hope that they will gain some reassurance. Yes, yeah, just some, knowledge that they're not alone. You're not yeah, alone, yeah. people. You know, there's other people going through it, and you can always reach out. And it, yeah, because it is, it's it's really difficult. Mm. But, but there are positive, not positives, but there are glimmers. Yes, <laughs> out of every adversity comes a benefit to an equal or greater degree. Somebody somebody told me that many, many years ago. And I kept thinking, how can that be? How can that be? And I kept rethinking it and thinking, well, but what if somebody dies or what if this happens? You know, I was trying to think of what the worst thing was that could possibly happen, the over-analytical mind. And every time I kept thinking, well, actually, yes, even if it was a really awful crime that's happened that has meant somebody has lost their life, lessons can be learned and people, you know, it, Things can open up, opportunities can open up for other people so these things don't happen again and people come together and become closer. And, there's, you know, it, there were just all sorts of things that I found myself thinking about. And that was, I was much younger then when yeah. I, I started yeah. looking at that. But gosh, well, so you, <laughs> <laughs> we've got very deep now, haven't we? We did, but, yeah. But yeah, that has been a hard time for you. But you have found the power of the outdoors And the power of food, the way food can communicate, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. Food for me, traveling around the world was always my compass almost, you know. I always thought if you want to know the bones of a country, you read its literature. If you want to know its soul, go to the markets and have a look around, see what they're selling. So Mm -hmm. that's what I did. I threw myself into all these countries and cooked everything, went to cookery classes, made friends with local people, which is the best way. And then you get real, you know, really great tips. And that's what I did. I used food as my connector, my bridge between cultures. And that has come with me ever since. So my kids now eat, well, they eat all sorts of things because I, you know, I've got quite a good repertoire now because I'm quite old and I've gathered up. So how old are you, Sue? 52. 52. Okay. So you're only two years older than me. Oh, you look much younger than me. So, (laughs) so uh, yeah, that's food is a huge thing. And I, what I'm really interested in is thinking about how people transform their life through it and how to get it outdoors and use it as part of that transformative process with the outdoors because everybody has to eat and Mm. nobody really wants to just eat rubbish food on a (laughs) damp damp campsite you know (laughs) so I mean we love a damp campsite but you can still make something delicious you can still yeah so my whole thought process behind that is to yeah talk to people who are doing really great outdoor things talk to them about what makes them tick food wise and uh, have a podcast about it yeah, oh, yeah with, adventures with, with food so <laughs> I think that's wonderful so yeah we're going to mention your podcast in a moment we can get people to go and listen to that too now you set up an events kitchen a little events kitchen I did yeah 
what's it called? Called Naked Tartuffi. <laughs> so that Tartuffi is Italian for truffle and it's named after our truffle farm. And it's called Naked because, you know, there's no additives or anything. It's just very good bare whole food. So I set that up last year and I've ended up doing quite a lot of private dining and floating picnics and that kind of thing. So that's been that's been really fun and kept me kept me busy in the dark mm, moments. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that yeah, I, I quite like doing that. So that so the events kitchen is something that you would take to you know a festival or uh, an event, or can it be something where you do it on a smaller scale? You take yourself and your skills, and I'm thinking you know you go into the wild. Yeah, with so a group. Maybe. Could you could you do it like that? Yeah, so I think I'd probably do like a movable feast and do mm. a group. We're, we're going to do some um, of the Southwest Coast Path next year. Instance, so not not like some of your guests have done it. An amazing, just amazing things, haven't they? So you know, I'm going to just do it instance. And uh, the plan is to just kind of I'll take the food and just do a movable feast of really good food and we can connect after we've walked and sit around a fire I mean it's in the oh. early planning stages so I'm yeah loving so, the and lots of, of different lots of different women so it's going to be open an open invitation if anybody wants to join us oh yeah well that's you know I can I can actually see that this movable feast section hiking the southwest coast path a podcast episode after each I don't know whether it's going to be a day or is it going to be a like a group of days it'll probably be kind of just uh weekends or something you know yeah Yeah. a couple of days uh walking camping somewhere or maybe you know we go and eat dinner and i'll go and find some really good local producers that's my thought process with that that's in the planning stages is it women women so women coming together that don't know one another yeah talking over food that they've never tried before yeah uh, cooking themselves yes absolutely yeah (laughs) my whole thing is creating a community around food and travel so I just want to help anyone that is stuck or overwhelmed you know by anything let's let's come together let's move let's walk a stint of the coast path nothing major I don't want people to be freaked out I'm definitely not a professional hiker or anything like that (laughs) there's no such thing as a professional (laughs) hiker you have two (laughs) legs you walk (laughs) that's right yeah that's right so yeah you know that kind of thing and then we come together at night people can cook we can tell stories over food yeah and just create our own little tribe so people don't feel that they're overwhelmed and stuck on their own you know Mm. yeah so it's a therapy it's a communication it's a group it's a tribe Uh, this uh, the whole thing yeah the whole thing is um, in fact it's almost coming full circle back to your your family bringing up your family with this wonderful ethos of creating a tribe and that bonding experience for your family you're right Zoe that's very insightful wow (laughs) I'm you know I'm so excited have you actually announced this anyway no oh no yes you have two friends of mine and I have been talking about it and we've been talking about the movable feasts so I haven't announced it or anything so yeah you you've got the world exclusive (laughs) oh I'm just 
just so excited. I, this really has got me buzzing. And I can just see how much it's needed right now as well. Now more than ever. I think um, so. Yeah. yeah. And the whole social distancing so. thing, you know, the, the, the idea that you can communicate through food in the outdoors. And okay, yes, you may come back together again in the evening indoors. That's fine. But there's more communication that's happening outside. And I have found through personal experience that the greatest opening of my heart, the the greatest telling of what's going on in my soul has happened when I've been walking. When I'm side by side with somebody, you're not sat eye to eye with somebody. You are walking side by side and walking and talking. And that sharing just happens organically. You don't do it deliberately, but you know, within half an hour of talking with somebody and walking with them, they've had your life story or you've had women theirs. Are women are so um, good at that though. Yeah. Women are so good at just telling their stories, aren't they? We've mm, got this yeah. kind of innate trust between us a lot of the time, I feel. And it's making a bit of space for that because you're absolutely right. It does happen organically and it does, yeah, you know, it's, it's just magical really. And I'd like to just create a bit more of a space for that to happen, not in a more formal way, because that's absolutely the opposite of what we've been saying, yes, but yeah. just so that people know that it's there. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. Oh, well, let's watch this space. And I would really, <laughs> really love to come on one of these. Oh, I please think this, do. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. The Southwest Coast Path is like my special place. That's yes, it where, is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's where it all changed for me. And so, yes, I, I have a very special place in my heart for the Southwest Coast Path and for what you are describing about what you plan what you can imagine I and mean, you are obviously a creative mind and having this creative mind to be able to f- see this through to fruition is good well it's I just, hope so yeah I just feel I mean the good thing about traveling as much as I have with my husband and kids is that you you see that there are a million ways to live a life we've seen different people in different cultures doing so many different things. And what that does is free you up from any kind of structured thinking. Um, and you must do this and you must do it like that. And you, there's this path and you must do that. You know, there's a lot of ways to live a life. So well, um, I, what I'd like to do is just make sure there's some space for people to tell their stories about living their lives and feed them very well while yes. they're doing it. So. <laughs> well, you are most definitely honouring Stephen's memory to the oh thank you Zoe that's lovely of you and, to say that yeah thank you. and I think he would be very very proud of you and the children so yeah I just yeah oh, my heart so is is with you oh yes. thank you darling oh that's lovely <laughs> so oh. we're, we're coming to that point in the show it's coming to the end of the episode but I am looking to hear a head right out moment and this is something I ask every guest do you have a moment in your past, and it can be your immediate past, or it can be way back, if you like, something where you feel like you really stepped out of your comfort zone in the outdoors, actually might not even be in the outdoors, sometimes it is, Um, but where you've stepped out of your comfort zone, and you've thought, I really, really can't do this. But then you've done it, and you've benefited as a result. Oh my gosh, there's so many, because um, I... (laughs) When you've got four children, you end up doing things that you don't really want to do, but you've you've got to do it because, yeah. So, you know, drive, does it count if you're driving, driving through icy mountains? Yes, used to look at Look at the mountains from our house and think, if I want my children to learn to ski and snowboard, I'm going to have to drive up there because my husband was away quite often. And I had to, I was, I've never been so frightened in my life, but I did it. And then in the end, I ended up zooming all over Europe, taking my kids to snowboard tournaments and things so it's just having that I always feel like 
the thought of something is far worse than actually doing it, isn't it? Yes. I mean, you can build yourself up into a funk and think, ah, oh, but you, you just got to do it. Yes. And then you think, oh, well, <laughs> what was I so worried about? What was the fuss about? Oh, yeah, I love your attitude. Brave. It and, is being um, brave. And just making that first step or, you know, just getting in your car. That's a bit of a whip Sorry about that. <laughs> my, my, well, no, it's not. But my arms are absolutely prickling because I know, I know what that feels like to be up in the mountains and to have to feel like you've got to drive or to think, I, even just your, not me driving, but being in a vehicle. And, yeah, and there's a steep like blizzard, and, with blizzard yeah. or steep drop or <laughs> yes, it's icy all those conditions. And, and it's like, <gasps> how am I going to do this? But yeah, no, gosh, go you. This, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I'm just an ordinary person that's just done some fun things. And I feel like I just want to tell people that you can, oh. you can do it. You know, if I yes. can do it, anybody can do it. Well, and this you, is why this space that you've created is so great. So thanks so much for um, inviting me and, thank and, you. and opening it up for other people. It's just great. Great. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Sue. Well, yeah, I just I think the fact that you have your own podcast and you have created that space to share your infectious enthusiasm for life, <laughs> I think is wonderful and food. Sorry, I've just got to add that in there. <laughs> uh, so where can people find you on the sound waves and where can they find you on the socials? So uh, you can find me. I'm a big Instagram fan. I'm on Instagram as Naked Tattoo Feet. And I think it comes up as Eat Yourself Alive because that's going to be my uh, handle for the food stuff. You can find me on Instagram on that or Facebook. I am on uh, with my language school, English language food school, if anybody's interested in learning English through food. That's it, really. We can find my podcast on Spotify, Apple, all the normal places. Yeah. And you so, just you can just type in "Eat Yourself Alive," can't you? Yeah, I think I found yeah. It Eat like Yourself Alive. It comes out. There's a little pink logo with a bowl of figs. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I will put all those links in the show notes, yeah. so people can just be directed to you straight away. So, is there anything else that you'd like to mention, Sue, that we haven't talked about already? Because I just I'm no, always... I think I've talked more in an hour than I've done in the last four days so, yeah no sorry and waffled on so no I think we've covered everything brilliant oh well Sue Plasto thank you so much for coming on Head Right Out this has been a delight I am so pleased that I just grabbed that opportunity when we got chatting um, so to, to bring you on like, it was oh, so God, random gosh, okay great yes, <laughs> that's that's the you know the planets were just in line and then collided it was, it was yeah, wonderful <laughs> thank you so much for having me I've just loved it thanks <laughs> I just love, love, love Sue's attitude. The way she and Stephen brought up their children, their wildlings, as she called them. What a wonderful family unit. And what great life experiences those children have had. I appreciate too that Sue isn't hiding away from her grief behind a curtain of being busy she does allow herself time to feel and to reflect. But she also knows that part of what is right for her and her family is to rise out of the adversity, to grow and to honour her late husband's memory by creating more experiences and continuing to live life adventurously. What an inspiring story and Yes, I hope you'll pop over and follow Sue's progress. I'm so, so excited about 
the concept of the movable feast. I think that is going to be an absolute winner. And I've listened to all of her podcast episodes that she has up so far on Eat Yourself Alive. And I'm looking forward to listening to more episodes as they land. Okay, so this week's head right out moment is something a little bit different. I was going to use one of the moments that had been sent in by somebody, but Facebook memories popped up a few days ago and reminded me of something that happened two years ago. And I just felt I wanted to share this with you. So it's the moment from me, from my Facebook memories. And it's basically two days I've blended into one. It was exactly two years ago when Mike and I were on our trip of a lifetime to New York. We were so lucky. This all happened just before the pandemic. We were there for January, a little bit of January, a little bit of February. And obviously we all know what happened in March of 2020. So here's my head right out moment. Day 94 of my 100 scary days and also day one of February, we ascended just two and a half miles up the trail path towards the fire tower atop Mount Tremper, New York. Just half a mile from the summit, however, we called it a day. Neither Mike or I are ever happy at turning back before a challenge has been seen through to the end, but we had to make a call. And on this occasion, it was the right one. We had no spikes with us, and the solid ice on the trail was not safe for us to continue. Walking through the stretches of ice that we did attempt certainly put me through my paces and was a good start to a February of facing my fears. This time last week, I was sat in one of the best seats in the Metropolitan Opera House in New York with my best friend. Today, we hiked up a mountain, sort of. We'd have reached the summit and climbed the fire tower. Eek! That would have been so high. If only we had prepared our footwear for ice. The Met and the Mount. So far removed from one another, least of all the dress code, no bow ties and glamorous numbers up here. Yet both occasions made me happy beyond words. So far removed and yet so connected. Outside may be my usual happy place, but there's always room for other experiences to add colour and depth to the catalogue of me. Build yourself a catalogue of experiences and draw on them as and when you need to. Build in enjoyable moments, unexpected events and opportunities to challenge yourself, even if these seem beyond impossible and way out of your comfort zone. These experiences you gift yourself will sit in a special section in your catalogue and every so often they will serve to remind you of your strength and capability. Hopefully at those times when you may have forgotten just how much resilience you really do have. Oh, that makes me feel so warm. Just reading it, it makes me remember how I felt when I was writing it. I remember feeling so inspired to write something. And I never really know what it is I'm going to write in the moment. I have an idea, but it's almost like poetry. It's something that just flows in the moment. And that was one of those. It was a flowing in the moment. Well, that's it from me for this week. Come back and listen to Head Right Out again next week, where I'll be talking to Ruth Pickvance, 
She is an international champion fell runner and now runs a business in the Brecon Beacons where she is encouraging women to, guess what, head out of their comfort zone in the outdoors, appreciate the outdoors, try new things like fell running, like mountain biking. It's all the things that I've dreamed of for Head Right Out. And she's local. It's a fabulous conversation, so do come back. Thank you for joining me. Please don't forget to go and vote for Head Right Out in the Sports Podcast Awards. That's www.sportspodcastawards.com in the best urban and adventure category. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Head Right Out hugs to you all. Mwah.